0: Good morning, City Hill, and a very happy Father's Day to all the dads and grandpas we have here today. It is my uh, joy of being celebrated today. Thank you, Kurt. Very kind of you. I'll turn it that way. Um, joy of being celebrated as a father. God's given me the privilege of being a dad. The three sons who are now big boys. Hallelujah. They've grown up and flown the coop. And as a result, we also have three beautiful granddaughters. So it's my joy to be celebrated by these these offspring. Praise the Lord. But being a grandpa is a new honor. See that? I'm a grandpa. What's your superpower? (laughs) Thank you, coffee shop. I uh, sent out an email a little earlier this week asking for some feedback on why your dad is a superhero. I wanted to read back some of these responses. Thought you'd enjoy hearing them. A young woman writes, I've always struggled with dyslexia. In the fifth grade, my teacher gave us an unbelievable amount of homework. I remember feeling completely overwhelmed. Any of you ever felt completely overwhelmed? Well, this little fifth grade girl did, and she says, but my sweet dad. And I love that. Dad stepping in gaps. But my sweet dad would come home from work, spend countless hours till late at night helping me get it all done. He had to go through fifth grade along with his daughter. Even though he had to get up early, it didn't seem to matter to him. He taught me that if I work hard, I am invincible. My dad is my superhero. From a man in our congregation. When I was a teenager, my parents started having a bit of a rocky marriage. I wasn't really sure why, but it all became apparent one day when I found a letter my dad had written to my mom. In that letter, he explained how even though she had committed adultery with another man, he was willing to stay with her if she wanted to make things work. There's a lot more to be said about this in plenty of difficult moments, but I can proudly say my dad has stood by my mom through what would biblically qualify for grounds of divorce. Instead, he covered her sin, and in doing so, has brought so much life to our family. I wasn't supposed to find the letter. It was meant for my mom, but I happened to see it in my parents' room, and I read it before my mom did. That letter demonstrated and defined for me what true love is. It taught me in part what it means to be a man, what kind of commitment marriage is, and how men ought to lay down our lives for our families. When I read it as a a teenager, I cried. It makes me emotional to this day just thinking of that time in our family's life. My dad is my superhero. A third letter I thought would just be great if Brenda Gill would come on up. She's agreed to just tell a little story. Does she have a mic there? Thanks, Janet. Story about why her dad is her superhero. Thanks, Brenda, for sharing this with us. Come on up.
1: So I grew up in what appeared to be a typical Christian family, but it wasn't typical on the inside. My dad was one of the veterans of the Vietnam War who came home with PTSD which he lived with the rest of his life, and we lived with it as well. Dad was a tender-hearted man, humble and silly and quiet, and I knew how hard his PTSD made it for him to do it all. To hold a job, to provide for a family, even to have a family was really hard. As I grew older, I heard statistics about the veterans who had come home with his level of disability, who had seen his level of combat, and how they weren't able to hold jobs or sustain a marriage, how so many of them became homeless. And I looked at my dad, and I saw how he knew that he couldn't do all of this on his own. And he never really talked about his faith, but we could see it. Every time he prayed at the dinner table, he thanked God for his life, saying, everything we have is a true gift from you. My aunt used to tell my cousins that my dad was a war hero because he had been awarded the Bronze Star and the Army Commendation Medal. But what made my dad a hero was that he fought every day to be a husband and a father. He stayed when it would have been so much easier to give up and leave. We lost him last year to brain cancer, but he will always be my superhero.
0: Thank you. We want to honor the fathers among us today. So if you're a father, stepfather, adoptive father, grandfather, stand on up. We want to honor our fathers this morning. Thank you, men. If you're near them, just put a hand on their shoulder, put a hand on them, extend your hand out there. We want to bless these men this morning. Thank you for these men. Father God, the only wise God, we lift up your name this morning, and I want to thank you for these fathers. I want to thank you that you've given these men a very important role in this world. Help them, strengthen them. Give them the power and the wisdom to lead and to guide and to comfort and to love and provide for the children that you have entrusted to them, God. Together, we thank you for these men and we bless these fathers in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a seat, please. Praise the Lord. Do I need that? Okay. God calls. Switches out, Kurt. Okay. God calls all fathers to be superheroes. In the movies, Avenger. In the movie Avengers Endgame, anybody else besides me see that? All right. a Few people around the world saw that movie, the Endgame. It was full of superheroes. You had Iron Man who could fly. You have Spider-Man who could climb up walls and shoot webs. I told Kurt I think he could have been a web designer. You have Thor who threw magical hammers and they'd come back to him with great power. You had Dr. Bruce Banner who would get all worked up and become the big, massive, green hulk. But these are not the type of superheroes I'm talking about this morning. I'm referring to real-life superheroes, men, fathers, people among us. Fathers who fight for their family every day. Fathers who sacrifice and provide what their family needs by hard work. Fathers who go to bat and fight for their children in a thousand different ways. God calls all fathers to be superheroes. Now, I just want to put a disclaimer out there. I realize that not all fathers are superheroes. I realize that many of us have grown up with fathers who have failed us, some who are absent from the home, some who have harmed emotionally, physically their children, things that ought never happen. I realize that not all fathers have done well. But I believe one of the things the Lord put on my heart, even this this morning as I was preparing this message, that for those of you who have grown up in homes where your fathers did not do well, the new generation starts with you. The new legacy starts with you. That we don't get the right praise the Lord, as Christian men, to say, well, I'm this way because my dad this. There is a new chapter that begins with you and that we have a legacy that starts with us as we stand up and take responsibility for the lives and the responsibilities that are given to us, namely children. And so I challenge anybody who's had the Challenge of growing up without a father or with a father who has not stepped up. Stand up, I mean right now, but stand up inside and say, the new generation starts with me. By God's grace, I will be what my father was not to me. We don't have to be victims in this world, not with Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And it may be three times as hard for you as the next guy. Sorry. I can't change. It it may be harder. I get that. But praise the Lord, maybe you can make it easier for the generation that comes after you. You know, prisons across America are full of men who were not fathered well. Men that were victims and made other people become victims and God wants to change that in the body of Christ. Donald Miller, I don't know if you're familiar with that author. Donald, Donald Miller wrote a book called To Own a Dragon. Quite a Donald's an entertaining writer. And he described his journey of growing up without a father. As a young man, he imagined what true life and true freedom would be like. He's a, man, a young man without a father. And he was looking for that freedom, looking for that life. And then he came to Christ and he realized how wrong some of his thoughts had been. And I read, but playing your music as loud as you want and coming home drunk aren't real life. Real life, it turns out, is diapers and lawnmowers. Decks that need painting, a wife that needs to be listened to kids that need to be taught right from wrong, a checkbook and oil change, a sunset behind a mountain, laughter at a kitchen table, too much wine, a chip tooth, and a screaming child. Real life. And that's why real dads who engage in real life are real-life superheroes. No one or very few people are singing your praises, Few people are stopping to give thanks, but God sees it all. And it's what God calls us to do and to be. And I would say that every child yearns for their dads to be superheroes. Now, they don't necessarily need you to have a cape and jump off the roof, although that might be fun. Um, But you hear in Proverbs 17, 6, it says, grandchildren are the crown of the aged And the glory of children is their fathers. That's why you hear about these arguments between little kids where they're going, my dad's bigger than your dad. Well, yeah, my dad's stronger than your dad. Well, my dad... And they find glory in bragging about their dads. You've heard the story, maybe the joke about the three boys that were having this kind of a discussion and the one says, my father's a great professor. When he's talking about a subject, there's only 10 people in the world smart enough to understand them. Next guy says, well, my dad is a great brain surgeon. When he's talking about surgery, there's only five people in the whole world that can understand what he's talking about. The third guy says, well, my dad's a pastor. And when he talks, nobody understands him. <laughs> Kids love to brag about their fathers. When I was young, I read Marvel and DC comic books, lots of superheroes. My favorite was Superman, because Superman was faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, leaped tall buildings in a single bounce, and bullets would ricochet off him like rubber balls. He was cool, and his secret identity was Clark Kent, which I always loved, because he, he shared my name, and so when you know, I say Clark Kent, right? you know, you kind of had that. Big S somewhere tattooed on your chest, which I don't. But um, Kent, I love it that he gave dignity to my name. Made me happy. We also had Spider-Man, Captain America, Batman, Robin, Thor, the Hulk, Wonder Woman, and many more. And these superheroes had special powers. But as I was thinking about superheroes, I thought, you know, in those days, superheroes were good guys. They were like all good. They had some weaknesses, but morally and every other way, these were the good guys. This is the way that I perceived it. They fought for justice. They defended those in need and they inspired us to live for a higher moral good. They were ready to lay down their lives, go to any extreme to protect and save the world, to save their woman, to do whatever it was to care and protect. And they called that out on us. They were the good guys. You know, I I, I really, we knew who to cheer for. And then it seemed to me that over the decades that things changed with some of the superheroes. They became more complex, more broken. I think of the superhero of Hancock. He's a strange superhero. He was uh, immortal and could fly, but he was also a broken, lost alcoholic. You have Hellman, I don't even know what to say about this guy. He had lots of power, he was all over the place. Then we have Iron Man, who was the good guy, but then he became detached and given to drink and withdrew. Also you have Thor in the last movie, you know, big powerful Thor. He escapes from the world, goes to drink and grows a gut. Powerful Thor, sad thing to see. You know, sometimes it got confusing. You're like, who do I cheer for? Who's the good? And then you have good guys fighting good guys, and it became a little more confusing. But as I thought about it, I thought maybe some of these superheroes better represent us guys. We are not those supermen that always do well, can fly, and do everything. We're a little more conflicted than we like to admit. We want to be a superhero to our children, but we realize that we have a sinful nature. We realize our lack of patience, our struggle with balancing all the challenges of life. We love our kids and want to be perfect examples to them, but how many of you know that we are not perfect examples to our children? And so we struggle in some of the things it's a little harder for us to wear the cape, to be that superhero. And to that I want to say, men, we need the Lord. May we always be those that say, God, I need the Lord to be a good dad. I need you, Lord. Help me, Lord, to be that dad, to be that grandfather, to be that mentor, to be that provider that you call me to be. And I want to just declare to you today that even that that God has given us as Christians, especially Christian fathers, God gives us the power to do the job we need to do. I've also realized that as Christian fathers, kids aren't looking for perfection, praise the Lord. They don't need you to be perfect. They know very well you are not. If you don't know it, you're the only one. We fall short, but I found that what my kids need is authenticity and great love. When I messed up, I learned that my kids appreciate it when I would go back and say, hey, I, uh, I spoke too harshly there. That was wrong of me. Would you forgive me? My kids were always quick to say, i oh, sure, Dad. They would, they would give me the grace I needed as a father. I get to the scripture this morning, 1 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12, because Paul is also talking about the local church But he's talking about his relationship with them as a father to his new church. Paul had been a part of planting this church in Thessalonica. Planted somewhere around the year 50 A.D. So Jesus had been gone for approximately 20 years. And Paul had planted this church. And this is a church not of Jewish origin, but of Greek origin. So these are people that had not walked in the ways of God. And he'd seen this church grow up. Imagine a church of pretty much new believers. He's got leadership among them. He's trying to help raise them up as a solid church planted in the truths of Jesus Christ. And they're walking through some challenges. And he speaks to them as a father. He speaks to them as his children. And he says in verse 10, You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you as believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom. So Paul gives three basic characteristics of a good father. There are many more, but I want to focus on what Paul thought was really important as a good father as he applied it to the local church. Super dads are super examples. They teach and live by the life that they live. Their life is an open book to their children, and they are examples to those kids. That's what Paul says. Your witnesses, and God also, how holy, righteous... And blameless was our conduct. Those are pretty high claims, right? Could you say that to somebody? My life has been holy, righteous, and blameless. But Paul must have lived a pretty good example for that church. He was setting an example by his life, and he didn't just tell his children. Paul talked a lot. He said one time, Paul talked so much that a guy fell asleep and fell out of the window. Okay, so Paul could talk long. But Paul also lived, he practiced what he preached. If you ever hear yourself, Father, saying something like, do as I say, not as I do, those are bad words to say. Because kids are going to say, if it's so important to you, why aren't you living it? We must work at least in the direction of living a life that a child can imitate. Children of alcoholic fathers have a great, much higher propensity to be alcoholics. Children who grow up in abusive homes, it's said, are 10 times more likely to abuse their children. People follow the examples of what they've seen in their homes. On the other hand, children who grow up with loving, compassionate fathers hopefully will tend to learn to be loving and compassionate themselves. So my father, Ray Norell, was a quiet man, gentle man, a faithful man. He was not a man that went around teaching things a lot. He didn't say, let me talk to you, son, about this. That wasn't the way he lived his life. But I saw my dad go to work every weekday, year after year. I saw him love and care for his family. We went to church as a family three times a week. And I saw him read his Bible through every year. And as I watched that, I said, wow, all right, hard work is important. Family is of high value. Those are important things in life. Loving God and going to church just must be important. My dad's taking time and effort, and, and I saw him give his tithe. My dad didn't give close to a tithe. He was an accountant. He gave exactly a tithe, and then there was offering. But the tithe was to the dollar. He would round up and down the dollar, the cents, you know. But besides that, he was a man of discipline and a man who loved the Lord, and those were good things that he instilled in my life, probably without even knowing it. Some of you may remember the song by Phillips, Craig, and Dean that wrote a few years ago called I want to be just like you. I thought it was good to read the first verse of this. The song says, He climbs in my lap for a goodnight hug. He calls me Dad and I call him Bud. With his faded old pillow and a bear named Pooh, he snuggles up close and says, I want to be like you. I tuck him in bed and kiss him goodnight, tripping over toys as I turn out the light and I whisper a prayer that someday he'll see he's got a father in God because he's seen Jesus in me. Lord, I want to be just like you because he wants to be just like me. I want to be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like you because he wants to be just like me. It's quite a responsibility. Praise God. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us, men. To help us. So dads, we must be careful for the example we set in every area of life. The super dads are super examples. Secondly, super dads are super encouragers. Your word has the power to build things up in kids' lives. This may sound obvious, but as dads, if you're like me, the natural tendency is to be super disciplinarians or super catcher of the wrong. Quit picking on your brother. Quit doing that. We want to have the, the noise stop. We want the conflict to stop. And that tends to be where we can go trying to control the bad things of our children. I remember walking through a time like that where it just seemed like I was constantly saying, Stop that. Don't do that. You can't do that. And what the Lord put in my heart was, catch him doing something good. And I thought, well, he's supposed to do those things. Yes, but catch him doing something good and build it up. So the day you come back and the room was clean. Maybe mom made him, but it was clean. And you go, hey, I saw your room really look good. You encourage, you catch him doing something good and you build it up. Now that may go against your nature, but I think the Lord calls us to do that. Find when they are kind to their brother and say, hey, I saw you guys playing together well. Makes dad happy. Good job. Be encouragers. The word encouragement is to fill with courage of strength or purpose. To raise up one's confidence. As you encourage children, they grow in confidence. And your word, it says our words have the power of life and death. You can speak life into your kids or you can speak death into your children. Be those who in courage, you put courage in life in them. You know, I imagine there's some people here that says, well, it's a little late. I don't think so. I don't think as long as God gives us breath, it's ever too late to speak words of encouragement. It's never too late to make a phone call, to send a text, to express your love. This morning, as I was praying for this message, I felt the Lord say that He wanted to bring healing, to break down walls, and bring reconciliation even today in our homes. And I want to encourage you, as a father in this church, to have the courage to take those steps, not wait for them and say, Well, someone said, Well, how come it's always me? I go, Because it is. Don't wait for somebody else to make that phone call or somebody else to say, you. You love Jesus. You're walking with the Lord. And a little note from a dad can mean the world. Maybe it's a note asking for forgiveness. Praise the Lord. Maybe it's a note expressing something you appreciate in a son or a father. Let's not be those who say, well, they know. You know, do you ever get tired my wife and I often will say, I love you. Pretty much every day. I think and I think have I ever got tired from seeing my wife being cooking something and say, Hey, love you, Kent. Does that ever get old? Not yet. It never gets old. You think, well, I knew that yesterday. Yeah, but I want to hear it today. And it's the way that in any relationship we have, let's use our words to put courage in others, to build others up. And fathers have that probably more than anybody in the world, that power to encourage. It's said that it takes 10 compliments to balance just one critical comment. So we need a lot of encouragement, folks. And I, Mark Twain once said, I can live for 10 years on a good compliment. Well, I don't think I can. I think a good compliment goes a long way. And something actually the Lord has spoken to me recently is, you know, a negative word, but I can just drop right in. But a positive word, I can just oh, thank you, and just kind of let it drift by. The Lord said to me recently, let those words drop in. Those are words of life to you that I want to speak to you. So take them, not a matter of pride, not, but just let, it, let me minister life to you by those compliments that come your way. And I'd encourage you, when someone speaks something kind to you, don't go, well, Not let the words of life drop into your soul and breathe life to you. Because I know you need it. I know I need it. Let God encourage us. And sometimes we say, well, that's just from a person. I want God to speak that. Well, God does speak encouragement, but God often speaks encouragement through us, through the body of Christ. Dick Hoyt is a father who knows all about encouraging his kids. You may know of this story. It's a powerful story of a man who gave birth, his wife gave birth to their son Rick, who was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. And when he was told that his son would never walk, and so in the spring of 1977, his child, severely handicapped, He told his dad he wanted to participate in a five-mile benefit for a lacrosse player who was paralyzed in an accident. And his son said, I want to be a part of that race, Dad. This is a kid who couldn't walk. So Dick agreed to push Rick in his wheelchair, so they became the Hoyt team. And he somehow made it through 5K with his son, and five miles, and they came in next to last. But they finished his five-mile race. That night, Rick told his dad, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped anymore. Those words sunk into his father's heart, and he went, Well, we need more of that then. So they began to run together. The Hoyt family. He went on to run in over 1,000 races, including marathons and triathlons. Adding to their list of achievements, they biked and ran across the entire United States in 1992, completing 3,735 miles together as a team, father and son. Rick's philosophy as a father is not to focus on what his son can't do, but on what he can do. With so many outside influences telling our kids they're not good enough. They're too fat. They're not smart enough. They aren't good looking enough. They aren't all these things that pound our children. My gosh, it is so tough for a kid to get through junior high or high school today. The messages they hear are powerfully negative towards their walk with Christ and their development. And we as parents, we as fathers, today's Father's Day, we have great power to speak into that. We need to let them know I'm proud of you. God loves you. And so do I. So super dads are super examples, super encouragers. And lastly, super dads are super exhorters. Paul says, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you. Exhorted. We don't really use that. Hey, I was exhorting someone the other day. Uh, It's not a word we really use so much. So what's that word mean? It means to come alongside with instruction and insight in order to move someone in a specific line of conduct. This is where fathers are called to teach, to instruct, to share the wisdom. Anybody learn anything in the last 20, 30 years of your life? You learn something that the next generation just might benefit of. Now, I realize that sometimes that generation isn't really interested in listening to you, but you earn that right to be listened to. And when done with love and graciousness and kindness, we have a lot to give to the next generation. A dad's job is to teach his children, to guide them and prepare them for adulthood. You're not preparing them to stay in your house forever. You're not preparing them to obey you forever. You're preparing them to make good decisions, to have good moral compasses, to walk with God. I reject outright. This is probably a, one of those Holy Spirit words in the middle of my sermon. But I reject outright those, the concept that says don't take your kids to church, don't teach them about God, let them find their own way. That's just a bad idea. That is not of the Lord. It says, train up your children in the way they should go. Now, yes, your children will make decisions. They will become adults, and they will make decisions. I get that. But while we have them, while we have access, and that's not just the first 18 years, invest in them. Stack the deck. Lead them. Train them. Show them the example. Say, this is the way to walk. Even this summer, I've got a time. I'm going to have a time with my family's together. We haven't been together for a couple years. It's hard to get the Nurelles together, and we're all over the place. So we got a cabin in Colorado at the end of July, praise the Lord. And we're getting together, and I'm thinking, Janet and I are thinking, what can we do to invest in these boys? They're all adults, but I want to invest in these lives. I want to invest in them as dads, as husbands. What can we do to make that time together meaningful and fun? Fathers, exhort their children. And one of the great ways to do that, I want to encourage fathers, is just look for life experiences to talk about. Not just, let's open the Bible, which is good. But look for life experiences. I remember we traveled a lot as a family. We were at some home on the West Coast. And we get into people's homes. Because we stayed in their homes and had a dinner with them as missionary traveling. and I remember one home that was pretty well out of control. And there was a kid, I'm thinking about eight years old. None of you know this family, so I can say this. And this eight-year-old kid was an angry, strong little eight-year-old. And in my memory, he was swearing at his mom. He was saying, I'm not doing that. And she's, oh, honey. And this kid was just a powerhouse. I mean, it was something like I'd never seen in my life. You don't say anything. It's not my kid. I don't, I don't say, don't talk to your mother that way. Um, not my role. So we just had our day in that home, and then we got into our car, and we were driving away, and as we drove away, I thought, there's a teaching opportunity. I said, so, how, you, how was that for you kids? And they're like, man, did you hear that little kid? Well, yeah, I sure did. They go, you would, if I talk that way to mom, I go, You're darn right. That's not happening in my home. And they were like, I said, So what should have happened? He said, That was, they should not let that kid swear at mom. They should not. I go, That's right. I said, What's going to happen? What would be the loving thing as parents? And like, Well, they got to discipline him. They got to tell him. They got to set some. And we talked about, I said, If he does not change, what's going to happen in his life? He said, He's going to prison. That's a kid, and they could see that letting a kid run wild was not going to be good for him. And we got a chance to talk about parenting and loving discipline. And it's just a life example that we talked about as we drove down the road. And my kids learned. They learned the power of loving discipline of a father. There are thousands of opportunities to share with our kids and talk about to train them and teach them in the ways of God. Children thrive best in an atmosphere of genuine love undergirded by consistent compassionate discipline. Raising your kids with loving discipline teaches them to respect authority, to respect parents, to respect God. So super dads, exhort your kids. Do it with love and compassion and wisdom but we're called to train up our children in the way they should go. So while there are many characteristics and things that could I could say to fathers, I, thought I wanted to focus on what Paul saw as important. That Paul says that parents or fathers should be super examples to their children. Fathers should be super encouragers and they should be super exhorters. And I'm convinced, as I know most of us today, I'm convinced there are lots of super dads here today. I watch you care for your kids. I watch you invest your lives. I watch you go to work. And I want to say, well done, guys. You won't get all the pats on the back you need. You will fail. You will fall down. But it says the righteous falls down, but... Gets up seven times. How many of you say amen? Amen. You can fall down, but the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous is the unrighteous stay down. So when you fall down, get up. And sometimes that getting up is getting your kids together, talking to them, repenting, turning to God. But get up and go for it again. So I want to say to you, super dads, thank you for being there for your kids. Thank you for teaching kids the difference between right and wrong, which still exists in this world. Thank you for providing for your children, for going to work, trying to balance all the things on your plate. Thank you for doing your best to show children how to be a good husband Thank you for showing your love for God and your love for others. And thank you for encouraging your kids, for exhorting your kids, and for doing your best to be a good example to them. As I close, I just want to say I realize that as I started, I realized some of us did not have super dads, But I will say that all of us have access to the perfect dad. Amen? Worship team, come on up. We have access to the perfect father. And something I just want to say with that is the prodigal son turned away. But his father was God. His father represented a pretty perfect father. And I realize there's... Some really good dads and some kids have walked away from the Lord. But God would say there is still hope in Jesus' name. Continue to pray. Continue to pour out your life. Continue to love on those who may have walked away from the ways of God. And I want to close with one more email I received this week, which I thought spoke well of that dynamic. It says, my dad was not perfect. Yet he was my superhero in many ways. I wish he'd loved the Lord and shared God with me. This is someone who grew up with a man who was not following God, not a Christian. But regardless, I loved him for who he was. There were so many things he did right and few things he did wrong. What I've learned in life is that no matter how awesome one man can be, they will always let you down in some way, even if not intentionally, even in their death. The best, most put together, loving, and accomplished man will pale in comparison to our Heavenly Father. I've learned not to depend upon a man for my hope. I want to read that one more time. I've learned not to depend upon a man for my hope, my future, my faith, my security, but rather in God and in God alone. Once I learned to make Jesus my Lord and God as my father, everything seemed to fall in place. Jesus is my superhero. And I would say that to all of us today, if you've never opened your heart to Christ, maybe you carry a father wound, maybe Maybe not, but whatever the case is, however your relationship with your Father, there is a Heavenly Father that loves us more. There is a Heavenly Father that will never fail us. And today would be a great day to enter into that family relationship with God as your Father. If you want to open your heart to Christ today, it's going to be a ministry team right over here by the cross. After service, just walk on up and say, I want to begin my relationship with Christ. And they'd be glad thrilled to pray with you this morning let's close this morning in prayer heavenly father daddy God Abba father I thank you that you are our perfect heavenly father God we thank you for the life that we have and the opportunity to serve you here on this earth I want to thank you, God, that you do not leave us alone, but you have sent your spirit to walk with us. You did not abandon us. You don't leave us alone, God. Thank you, God, for walking with us. Thank you for your provision for us, for your love for us, God. And Lord, also on this Father's Day, we want to thank you for our earthly fathers. We bless them in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, as fathers here present as well, Lord, to invest in this next generation, to look beyond ourselves and to look for those who are coming up behind us, God. Help us to take that next step forward, no matter where we are as a father, God, to take that next step forward, even today, in being the fathers, the superheroes, God, that you've called us to be. So, Lord, I bless the fathers who are here today, God. Strengthen them. Give them courage. Heal their relationships. Speak your spirit and your blessing upon them. Help them, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you'd like ministry this morning, someone to pray for you, maybe as a father or otherwise, our ministry team would love to minister to you to seek the Lord together with you. And if you're our guests,